Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. So there was a new review that was published in the Annals of Medicine that's confirming that muscle mass should be a key factor in evaluating a person's health status. And while we've always thought about weight, and we've even heard about BMI, and kids are getting tested for that now, this can really change the parameters of what we look at as factors in evaluating a person's health or future health. My guest today is Dr. Suzette Pereira. She's an associate research fellow at Abbott. So Dr. Pereira, let's start with this latest research showing that people with less muscle had more surgical and post-operative complications. What are we saying, and, and speak in layman's terms for the listeners, of what this means in terms of overall health and muscle mass? Uh, sure. Thanks, Melanie. So we've been researching muscle for a long time now. Um, and this new research that we published, uh, Abbott published this in collaboration with experts in the field in muscle. And we looked at the most recent research uh, that other people have been doing over the past year. What we find is that muscle mass matters. And if you have low muscle mass, you are at risk of very bad health outcomes. So, for example, if someone is admitted to a hospital, if this person does have less muscle than they should have, then they are at risk of maybe having more post-surgical complications, uh, longer lengths of hospital stay, they may have lower physical function, and overall a poor quality of life. Now, we've looked at different people across the spectrum. So people who are in the hospital, people who are at home, people who have or may have some kind of chronic disease, or even people in the long-term setting. And there's one resounding conclusion that muscle mass is critical for our health, and we really need to start considering it as another vital sign, just like we think about blood pressure and body weight and our pulse. Uh, muscle mass should be something that comes to the top of mind because it can dictate our long-term health outcomes. So as muscle tissue burns more calories than, say, body fat does, we've heard so much about body fat and its role in our health outcomes. Speak a little bit about BMI, this body mass index, and why that's always sort of been, for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, the gold standard of what we would look at. Because, I, I mean, I've not really always liked the body height to weight ratio. I'm four foot ten, but I have a good muscle mass. And I, you know, I'm an exercise physiologist. I'm a trainer. So I have good muscle mass, but I'm also short. So my weight does not belie necessarily my health status. And so BMI, it works for some people, but not everybody. That's exactly right, Melanie. So BMI, or body mass index, uh, it's really essentially an indication of, of fatness. Um, so BMI is measured by taking your body weight and dividing it by your height square. But the problem with BMI is it does not separate muscle from fat. So That's it just right. gives you one number. And so if someone like you, who has been a, a trainer and physically active, has um, you considered overweight based on your BMI, 
Yes. In reality, you might have a high BMI because you have a lot more muscle, but that makes you healthier than someone who has a normal BMI but has low muscle. So people get on the scale and weigh themselves and, you know, they think, oh, my gosh, I weigh, you know, 200 pounds. Well, if you're an athlete, you weigh 200 pounds, but most of that is muscle, and that's good. Uh, So we almost need to start thinking beyond BMI and beyond getting on the scale and start thinking about how do we, you know, build muscle in our body. Yes, losing fat is important, but it's really critical to start thinking about muscle and the ways and means of getting a good muscle mass, a good strong muscle to help us to do the things that we really want to do later in life. Well, sure. I mean, so I guess I've been doing this research now for like 30 years because I've always said that when the, when this first came out that I didn't fit in and, and being more, you know, of a mesomorph just a little bit. And when we look at the, the different types and the endomorphs are the more fatty people, how are we measuring muscle mass? Because with, with fat, you know, we can use calipers. There's a bunch of different ways. But how are you measuring muscle mass now? Yeah, so right now in the uh, there is no uh, clinically uh, uh, available tool that docs can use to measure muscle mass for routine practice uh, yeah. in specialized clinics like in oncology clinics and you know when patients are in the hospital there are imaging tools like CT and MRI which give you your muscle mass uh, but uh, right now people are developing tools like handheld ultrasounds they're developing something called uh, impedance, uh, bioelectrical impedance, which can give you muscle mass, but they are not in routine practice. But that said, Melanie, I think people should be self-aware, right? So your grip strength is a perfect example of a way to estimate whether you have healthy muscle or not. Uh, so if you don't have a good grip strength or if you feel like things that you were doing normally, you're not able to do anymore, like open a jar, that's an indication that you are at risk of losing muscle and your muscle is not very healthy. Uh, you know, there are other uh, easy tips. Your, your walking speed, if you're walking slower than you normally did or you're having difficulties climbing the stairs, things that you normally did, then those are all early signs that you may be losing muscle. And that's a good time when you, you know, start talking to your doctor Start doing key things that are going to help build your muscle, have the right nutrition, and, of course, exercise. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I I must digress or disagree a little bit about the grip strength is so important. But opening a jar, I'm 54 years old and arthritis kicks in a little bit. And that is not going to be necessarily a, a muscular issue, but I can't always open a jar anymore because... You know, my hands hurt sometimes. So when you're yeah, using... definitely. So there are different there are different factors that can impact your grip strength. Of and course, of course, if you do have something like arthritis, that will matter. But yeah. all the research now that has been coming out in the muscle world is showing a very very strong correlation between your grip strength and your muscle health. Right. And so now i got to start working on that. If you have low grip strength, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have good grip strength. I just, you know, you feel the joints in your thumb, and you're like, dang, I can't get this yeah. jar yeah. open. It's like, oh, my God. So exercise, strength training, and especially now for women to stave off osteoporosis and osteopenia, we really want to work on our strength training. And it's where I'm a little delinquent. I mean, I could go on my treadmill all the time and every day, 
But I, I mean, I definitely do need to do more strength training. So what do you want us to do and how often to get that muscle mass so it makes right. a difference? Exactly. So resistance exercise strength training is really critical for not just your bone, but also for your muscle. Um, the recommendation is to do it at least three times a week. Now, you know, it just depends on where you're starting. If you have never done resistance exercise before, the you know recommend is a recommendation is to start slow. Don't don't try to do heavy weights right away. You'll hurt yourself, and uh, preferably contact you know to help you get the right techniques down and start slow. And then you can always build it up. Um, aerobic exercise, of course, is important for our heart. We need that blood flowing through our muscles, pumping, keep, keep cardiovascular health. But people forget the importance of resistance exercise. Uh, you know, it can be free weights, it can be machines if you have access to a gym. I, I think one thing that we, uh, the listeners need to know is muscle can always be rebuilt. So it's one of the best organs, I would say, because it's very forgiving. So even if we've not used it in a while, once you start using it, you can build muscle, you can strengthen your muscle, and that's really the good news, right? So if you start to exercise, um, also start to think about your nutrition because, you know, your nutritional needs change as you start to exercise, and you need more of those muscle-building foods to help your muscle build and get stronger. So there you touched on something that is really big in the media and certainly in gyms, is what helps you to maintain that muscle mass as far as nutrition. There are, I mean, what, it's a billion-dollar industry, the protein powders and protein. My son is a gymnast doctor, so I mean, so he's like all into the protein, you know, supplements, at least protein bars when he's, you know, working out and all. So where does protein fit into maintaining that muscle mass and because people can overdo it a little bit and think that that is going to replace exercise. Right. So protein is critical, Melanie. As we all know, it provides the building blocks, the amino acids that are building blocks for your muscle. So if you're not getting enough of protein in your diet, uh, you know, you, you may exercise a lot, but your muscle just doesn't have those building blocks to build itself. And that's why you see a lot about protein now. Here's an interesting uh, new research that actually Abbott did in collaboration with Ohio State University. And what we looked at, we looked at people's diet uh, across the, uh, the U.S. And what we found is that one out of three people over 50 are not even getting the basic recommended amount of protein they're supposed to get in their diet. Uh, you know, the funny part is when you ask people, they think they're getting enough protein. But when you ask them, so how much protein is enough? They don't know the numbers. So it's critical that people know at least what the minimum amount of protein they need to get in their diet. And if listeners are interested, it is 0.8 grams. It's calculated based on your body weight. So you need to get at least 0.8 grams per kilo body weight. Uh, so if you're a 150-pound person, that's around 53 grams of protein per day. Um, and, and it's easy to calculate the amount of protein you're getting these days because, you know, we have food labels that tell you how much protein you're getting. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. If there are listeners who are a little older, you know, if you're over 60, the research is showing that you need a lot more protein than the 53 grams if you're 150 pounds. 
you need almost double that, so almost 100 grams. And that's a lot of protein to try and get in your diet. Uh, so I think it's important for people to know the amount of protein they need to get for their body weight and try to make sure they're getting protein in each meal, your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, not just get a, a large amount of protein in one meal and forget about the other two meals because your body needs it throughout the day to build. It's really so important, and the, and the way that you just really explained it, because that's one of the biggest questions I've gotten in my profession. Doctor is just, you know, how much protein should I be eating, and are carbohydrates so, so bad? So wrap it up for us with this new research, which is pretty severe now, and what you see coming, what you see happening in the field of sports medicine and in the field of just family medicine in terms of keeping using muscle mass as a vital sign, as it were, because the American College of Sports Medicine wanted, you know, exercise to be considered as a vital sign, but now muscle mass might fit into that picture. What do you see happening? Right. So uh, this is definitely an evolving field. The data is loud and clear. Your muscle is very, very important. It's critical for your health. And your muscle mass is very important. And so we must do whatever we can to preserve our muscle and to build muscle. So people need to think of their muscle as an insurance uh, for when they fall sick. Because if you fall sick, if you land up in the hospital, the more muscle you have, the better off you are. You can recover faster. You have better outcomes. You get out of the hospital faster. So you don't want to wait too long and, you know, not forget about your muscle. People think about their heart. They think about their bone. They need to think about their muscle. They need to be eating the foods that are going to feed the muscle and exercise. Exercise is key because that's a great way to maintain your muscle as you get older and even build muscle if if you really want to build muscle and have that as an insurance for your long-term future. Thank you so much, Dr. Pereira, for being with us today, because really this is something that people might start to see in the media, that this is now research you've been doing, and and I appreciate it because it's, it's actually pretty cool and it's about time, I'll tell you that. So thank you very much for joining us today. You're listening to Life's Too Short, and you know I am too, which you just heard because my BMI doesn't really belie exactly how I look. But um, it's good information and something that we can all use as far as muscle mass versus body fat and really the importance of strength training and exercise as a whole to make it so that you're healthier if you do have to go to the hospital and just healthier all around. Share this show with your friends. This is new research and it's pretty cool. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening and stay well.